Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Major League Mailbag podcast here on On The Verge, where we talk about everything going on at the Major League level considering we usually talk about the minor leagues and some of what the young guys are doing. Here's where we're, the Orioles are good now, knock on wood. We're here to talk about everything going on, the goods, the bad, and the ugly. And with me today is Vivek Shukla, at I Just Shook Ya, on Twitter, uh, Rule 5 Mastermind. Thanks for joining me here, Vivek. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you on The Verge team. It's an honor to discuss everything that we talk about in our chat group in a maybe more diplomatic format or however way we want to put it. So it's, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure we'll be able to recap parts of the week and maybe some of our pain points and some of our, our, our happy points. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is funny. Like in the WhatsApp group, it's, it's a ton of fun, but it, it's cool to get some back and forth real time here. Oh yeah. Face interaction. <laughs> Yeah, the Orioles are eight and seven. Heartbreaking loss last yesterday to the, to the White Sox. They're tied one to one. We're currently in a rain delay, getting ready to watch Grayson Rodriguez versus Dylan Cease. But it would be nice to win the series and come back. Wait, no, we're not. We have two more road games in Washington next week. But it would be yep. nice to go into that series nine and seven as opposed to eight and eight. What are your thoughts on the season so far? Yeah, I guess on the season so far, I. I, I'm happy to be at least at eight and seven. I'm kind of a big believer in that. And you've probably seen me post this a few times where I'd like for the Orioles to get through the April months of being 500. And the reason I say that is we're still not operating at full cylinders right now. The starting pitching, unfortunately, hasn't been able to give length. Kyle Gibson has been the only one and Tyler Wells to give us length out of the starting rotation. The other ones are still working out some of the kinks. And I think at eight and seven, I'm at least pleased. While we could have had maybe two more wins to that total, I'll also say that some of them could have also been blown as well. So it kind of naturally works itself out. There is always that pressure of, say, hypothetically, right? If we don't capitalize on some of these easier games, then what's going to happen for the rest of the season? But I, I'm kind of of the mindset that I, I do believe when the Orioles are going well with everything, everything going full cylinders, it doesn't it doesn't really matter who we're playing as long as we play them well. And uh, I, I think right now my goal would be that 
we don't put ourselves in a position where we're so far back that we're catching up. The 7 and 14 start to last season. I mean, amazing that we went on a 10 game winning streak and we were able to pull it right back. But at the same time, I'm more concerned about, I hope in the May, June, July periods, that's when we're running on full cylinders. So overall, I'm content. I'm, I'm trying to be as calm as I can with, with some of these losses, but right. Players are also human. A lot of mental errors defensively that have been kind of upsetting, but I guess we're still in spring training uh, to to some extent. Yeah, and considering we're giving up Emmer's five and a half runs per game, uh, Cedric Mullins, Gunnar Henderson, Anthony Santander not really yeah. got going at all so far this year. Exactly. Yeah, I'll take eight and seven. I mean, we've we, we're about to come up with a nice little run of weaker opponents here. Uh, not the strongest schedule even so far to date, but yeah, at this point, I'll take the winning record. I feel like this is a team that's built to get stronger and better as the year goes on, as guys get healthy and as prospects come up and, and guys like Grayson Rodriguez, you know, get their, their feet under them, get comfortable at the major league level and, and get better as the year goes on. Yeah. So let's get into some questions. We'll start off with uh, the patron questions. We'll go to some Twitter questions and then going to debut a power ranking of the 26-man roster where Love just that. to make sure we don't, miss out on some opinions and thoughts on every single player on the roster. We'll, we'll quickly, quickly run down that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Our first question comes from past guest on the major league mailbag and the debut Ben Dorst at Orioles status one, which reliever do you think is in most danger of being demoted when the next pitcher, whether it be Bradish Givens, Aiken returns and he lists Logan Gillespie, Michael Bauman, uh, both and Yanir Cano as some options. No, that's a great question. I um, I guess just to start off, it's it's really. I'll look at it a more optimistic point of view, right? The 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 Tate and Givens, unfortunately, not being here, makes it definitely tough because those are two of our more consistent relievers that'll that'll sport that, right? Two, three ERA, consistent, good K per nine innings, and they they know their stuff it does give an opportunity for some of these to present themselves. And I guess out of the entire group, we started off the season really impressed with the entire vertical drop on Logan Gillespie's like curveball slider, which is very impressive. Um, I think Yenier Cano, everyone got to see how elite that sinker splitter and now that slider movement can be. It's, it's about kind of the control aspect and it, does kind of seem like at least the beginning of triple a and now he's ironed that part out um so these, these are definitely like definitely deadly options michael bauman to the bullpen i'm so happy with him because that fastball's in that 96 98 range now that knuckle curve is looking really beautiful it's being it's pairing up well in that tunnel so i guess where, where does this kind of leave me uh, amongst those and it, it may simply be rolling with the hot man and unfortunately, and maybe it's just because it's in the, my mindset from yesterday, but Logan Gillespie may, may be the one that, that gets optioned down, at least in my opinion, given uh, maybe the position he was put into. It hasn't seemed as crisp. I think there was one game against the Yankees where it, it started off with a few balls, um, unable to find the strike zone until he was forced to put a strike uh, uh, fastball down the middle and then, you know, got got hit pretty hard. So. I, I think this is the beauty of having options and relievers. Um, and once again, I guess for Danny Coulomb, I think right now you could argue 
wow, just just Im- impeccable signing. Like, I don't know why the Twins again gave him away, and maybe we have an affinity for arms from the Twins. But I, I, I think uh, right now my pick would be Gillespie simply because uh, there's been some inconsistencies. He's as options. He can definitely iron this out. I'm still waiting for him to flash this plus changeup that I heard about. So I, I would go with Gillespie. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think I saw today that Keegan Aiken is expected back from paternity leave on Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. I would imagine Gillespie gets sent down at that point. And then when Bradish is activated Wednesday, Spencer Watkins maybe gets sent back down as long as he's not needed. You know, yeah. if there's like a, a big time bullpen action on Tuesday, maybe they keep him around for some length on Wednesday as well. But I would expect him to go down next and then. Uh, hopefully Michael Givens is back soon. I think that we could use a little dependable arm veteran there. Yeah. But at that point, I would have said Yenier Cano, but man, he looks After freak, that. freaking phenomenal. And uh, yeah, between him and Felix, that's a hell of a sinker ball and fastball swing and miss on a changeup slash splitter uh, duo yeah. if I ever heard of one. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful pairing he has. It's, I, I, I guess it's, it's, it's so easy to look at someone with a 10 plus ERA last year and just completely write him off until you actually get into some of the data and see that, okay, he's got the, the tools here. And I think, um, you know, this will probably get debated in terms of the, the Jorge Lopez trade, for example. Jorge Lopez is a free agent after 2024. Yenier Cano, we still have six years of control as he didn't accumulate a first service time last year, throw on three more prospects on top of that. So you can you can kind of see why Elias made that type of move at that time frame and still believing that, you know, Yenier Cano, you can potentially be a seventh, eighth inning type of guy for us. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's always a reason the Orioles are claiming or going after a guy. And now we know what that reason is for Cano. We've seen it in action. He came up big in a big spot. Uh, was questionable when it, the decision was made, but he made the most of the the opportunity, and that's all you can ask for. And then you just say, hey, I dare you to send me down because I'm going to be so good that you're not going to want to. Exactly. Yep. So Ben has another question. You can give an extension to two Orioles position players not named Adley Rutschman or Gunnar Henderson. Who are you paying, how much, and for how long? Wow. So not Adley or Gunnar. Makes it a little tougher. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I guess the first one that comes to mind, this is probably more of an obvious answer, um, but I, I'd go with Cedric Mullins. And, and, and in that sense, I think it's a great uh, player development opportunity there where Eve Rosenbaum talked very much about the buy-in that Cedric Mullins had about focusing and concentrating on one side of hitting. And then it just unlocked an amazing potential of a 5-6 war player. And even right now, as he's heating up again, you know, uh, naturally, majority of baseball players are going to be streaky by nature. But still, the value he provides you on defense, I know right now he's a leadoff hitter, but I think maybe that could change in the future. But the defense, the added bonus to steals, we are now looking at a perennial 30 to 40 basis per year stealing, good center field defense and range. And I think, uh, depending on how this year goes, there may be a window there for an extension. And I guess uh, 
we have this year and then two more years of control after this in his contract, I'd probably look to extend him for somewhere around five years. And I think this would be somewhere in the, you'd have to go into the either 60 to 80 million range. And maybe that's underballing it. He may compare parts of his contract to like a Brandon Nimmo or even right now what the market rate for a Brian Reynolds is going. But I'd be curious to see if Cedric Mullins' home runs numbers could pop up to that 2021 figure. If it's more like 2022, and we keep that in consideration, it almost kind of mimics the Adam Jones contract that was given. Six years, 85 was his extension. So my first one would probably be be Mullins. The second one is hard for me, actually. I'd love to hear your thoughts if you had anyone in mind. Yeah. Yeah, Cedric is a, a good choice. I think a four or five year deal there would, would be nice to keep him around. I mean, we have some guys like Haskin and Kowser, et cetera, coming up. But, I mean, you know what you got in Mullins, and he's super solid out there. He's like the one guy you can depend on. Even when he's slumping right now, he's not chasing the ball. He's he's still going to play good defense. So exactly. I, I like he's going to steal bases, obviously. So like what you get out of him. Uh, I had two off the – off the radar ones. I will go with Ryan Mountcastle, uh, still uh, only 26 years old. And, you know, he had bad luck last year, obviously, a little bit even this year so far. Already, Could probably, yeah. you know, pull the ball a little bit more to put take the luck out of defender's hands a little bit more. But I just believe in the pure hit tool, the pure yeah. hit the ball hard consistently. He's been doing it for quite a while now. I just trust that he could be first base DH, middle of a lineup guy for – for five or six years, so why not sign him to a five or six year deal? I don't know on the money. Uh, that that's a little above yeah. my pay grade right now without really looking into things. And yes, then yes. <laughs> my other one is going to be uh, Joey Ortiz, ten year deal. I love that. Super cheap. Just keep him here. I think he could be a, a a really good asset. You know, if you if he wants to sign a big deal like that, I don't know if they're that high on him, but you yeah. know, defensively the floor is there. He's hitting the ball. 110 miles per hour and more. He had yeah. one 114 miles per hour. I saw, yeah, um, on that first game back. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I just think the skill set is there. So if you can, like, scoop him up real cheap for, like, an eight- or ten-year deal just to keep him around, even if he's not guaranteed a starting role, just keep that guy. Get get that glove and that, that hard-hitting ability yeah. uh, in Baltimore for a long term. I would definitely love those options. I uh, I think, yeah, if they believe in the the glove of Ortiz and that his ceiling is continuing to rise, I mean – I guess it, it means something to be considered also first available when Ramon Arias is down in concussion protocol. Um, and even part of that, right, Ryan Mountcastle, just uh, I, I'm so happy for a success thus far, at least the, the home run lead, the RBI lead, and it's kind of like maybe he's made some adjustments there. I, I think you and I are probably still thinking about Eve Rosenbaum talking about how, you know, outside of Adley, Mountcastle is one of the most pure hitters. And, that was his thing since we drafted him. This guy can hit, hit, mm. but will it be enough? Will it translate? Um, I know they were asking for position players, but I, I, I'd be curious if you had a pitcher in mind because the pitcher that comes to me is, I think there's an opportunity here, if you really believe in John Means, to get an extension done that could be more friendly because there's the risk of Tommy John, but man, he is going to be a free agent after 2024. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I could see getting him on a three or four year deal just yeah. you know, while they obviously are an organization front office that loves value. And if that that risk of Tommy John and coming back from that is going to be able to get him on a safe three or four year deal, they could benefit him, get some safety, but also 
potentially help the team have him uh, a little bit cheaper than you would have expected like a year, year and a half ago at this point. Or exactly. again, if you want to scoop someone up super early for an extension, Grayson Rodriguez or DL Hall would be would be options I would imagine. Yeah. I love this question because I know Oriole fandom right now is, is screaming, please just extend somebody so we can so we can build around and feel happy about. I'm like at this point, give Adley a lifetime contract, partial yeah. ownership stake. Yeah, just yeah. just make it keep him here forever. Definitely. All right. Next question we have from Zach Spedden, I uh one of my co-hosts, the host of the podcast. Yes. If after a couple months, it's apparent that Cedric Mullins will hit like he did in 2022, how would you handle the leadoff spot? Would you mix and match or look for a fixed option internally or externally? Hmm. Yeah, great question. I think I, I've probably started hinting at this in the group chat, but I, I, I do think there are better on-base capabilities and maybe... Right, part part of Mullins being at the beginning is that if he gets on base, it's an immediate threat for Adley Rutschman, who works counts so beautifully. But then you also have the stolen base potential there. So you could be on second base with zero outs. And then from there you limit the possibility of any double play. And I, I get all those factors, but I'd I'd really like for more opportunities to be given to Adam Frazier. And even to that extent occasionally Terran Ravra and maybe, you know, Terran Ravra being in the ninth hole kind of sets up for the top of the order to come on. But I, I, I'm just really curious. We haven't seen even Adam Frazier in a leadoff spot just yet, because I'd have to check back the numbers as to where he's batted before, but I swear I remember him leading off for the Mariners a few times. I know he's led off uh, for the pirates before uh, that whole time frame when he was drafted by that team. And, he works counts. He is he and Adley are the two that currently have more walks than strikeouts thus far on your team. And if you just imagine going through those two first hitters, exhausting a pitcher with all your pitch counts, and then finally then, okay, we'll walk Adley or whatever to get to Ryan Mountcastle. It's it's that whole scenario over again. And who really works those counts well? I I, I I'm really surprised we haven't seen Adam Frazier yet. In the leadoff spot yeah it's a good point you know he's got the back control he's going to take walks he's not going to strike out he's going to hit for some average and he's going to take a lot of pitches i think that's something that the orioles have done really well all together as a team this year is take pitches get base on balls get on base mm -hmm. and the offense has excelled because of that uh, i'm actually going to surprise myself oh. a little bit here because i've been saying that mullins while a great center fielder a great base dealer a great hitter was never really the best uh, leadoff guy in my mind, just because the last couple of years he's had about an average to slightly below average walk rate, 8.7% in 2021 and 7% mm -hmm. last year. Yeah. You know, I thought he swung too much, was too aggressive, and didn't walk enough to be a leadoff guy. So I thought, you know, Gunnar Henderson, once he's out of the slump, would be a good option. Frazier, Vavra, a guy like that would be good. Even Adley, if if you don't mind, you know, not the <laughs> the best speed at the top of the order. I think he's a perfect two-hole hitter. But, yeah. in fact, this year, Cedric Mullins, while he has been slumping to start the season, he is leading the team in chase rate, even better than Adley, better than Gunner. It's 88th percentile chase rate. That's His true. walk rate is 91st percentile, 16.4%. Obviously, it's not going to stay that elite, I would imagine. But just reminds me of Anthony Santander last year where it's like 
we've seen a full off season now of these hitting coaches implementing the swing decisions. You've seen oh, yeah. Austin Hayes not chasing as much. You've seen Jorge Mateo not chasing him as much. And then you see Mullins, the same thing. So maybe it is Mullins after all. If he can get that walk rate up and uh, continue yeah. to hit for some pop like he does, he's known for. Um, maybe he yeah. is the leadoff guy after all. And I was wrong. Well, I wasn't wrong, but he's he's changed course and, and made it. Yeah, right. yeah. Even just recently, I mean, he generated so many walks yesterday, and maybe that's just because a lot of the White Sox, well, a lot of the White Sox bullpen is heavy velocity, but zero control, you know. And um, he, he's eleven walks to twelve strikeouts right now. I think Frazier is like six walks to two or three Ks right now, and even Gunnar Henderson's got about twelve, thirteen walks of himself right now. So, um. It's kind of like what we saw with the pitching, right? From 2021 to 2022, the Holtz effect took about a year. And now from 2022 to 2023, Bark Schulte and uh, Fuller are now having that effect where you're just, you're going into at bats. Like you don't, you don't need to uh, force any swings. Like you just sit and find your pitch to do damage on. And uh, we're seeing that right before our eyes. I think Austin Hayes, against a lefty pitcher for how, how I mean again right there's still early to go we've seen this before when he's been hot at the beginning but I do love that option with left-handed pitcher starting maybe Austin Hayes at the top of that order that could be a nice boost um so yeah yeah that's that's a good point as well and that's a good transition into Brandon's question can yes. Austin Hayes keep his current pace and uh, I'll just start this off just please I've not been always the biggest Austin Hayes fan. I mean, I've liked him a lot as he's coming up, but just yeah. fighting through injuries, you know, even though he stayed healthy last year, he played through an injury and it seemed to affect his performance on the field. But this year he finally says, Hey, I made some real swing changes for the first time in my career. And despite going what, like oh for 17 or something, three for he had a, a slump already in, in the beginning of the season. He's yeah. come through it with just incredible numbers. He's batting 345 with a OPS over a thousand. He's got a lot of red on his stat cast page. Yes. And the thing that stands out for me that maybe this is sustainable again is the chase rate and the whiff rate. Uh, 53rd percentile chase rate, 56th percentile whiff rate. If he's not going to chase yeah. and he's not going to swing and miss as much, then that walk rate should eventually climb up. It hasn't really shown it yet, but if you're not chasing, then you're gonna you're gonna walk more. It's plain and simple. And if he's waiting more for pitches that he can drive, well, he's driving them. So oh, yeah. as long as he's healthy, and that's a big if. But if he's healthy, I feel like yeah, maybe not an OPS of a thousand, but I do think a uh, nice little resurgence here for Austin Hayes, a career year could happen. Although looking at his outs about average and outfielder jump, which are way at the bottom. And his yeah. cannon for an arm, 100th percentile arm, maybe he should be in right field a little more often than left. And maybe that's when Colton Kowser comes up or someone like that can can take over. And left be field. that second yeah. center fielder in left field, as Eve talked about. So, yeah, what yeah. are your thoughts on Hayes? Oh, I think it, it amazes me that I feel like every single year that there's been one outfielder that emerges and then the other one turns into a potential trade slash cut candidate. Like, uh, whether it was Austin Hayes when he was a top 100 prospect and then finally in 2019 he emerged for half of the season we were all excited for him to be a 2020 potential rookie of the year candidate and then Cedric Mullins had his slump that time 
Then Cedric Mullins uh, emerges in 2021, but everyone's now questioning Santander. And then what happens in 2022? Santander rises through the ranks. So I, I really think for their individual specific reasons, the Orioles love these three outfielders, and that's what's making it really hard for Stowers and others to break through. I, I do admit Hayes does have the best outfield arm. It's strong. It probably plays better in a right field for him. And knowing that some of these swing decisions have improved because both both him and Mountcastle, we've seen that. Like, you and I both know the kryptonite to both Mountcastle and Hayes. Throw that slider away. Like, they'll chase it at some point. Adam and Jones syndrome. Adam Jones syndrome, yes. Um, sorry, Adam Jones, if yeah, you are listening to this. We love, we love you. If you'd like to hang out one day, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I, I think... I think Hayes, I, I want to give it a bit more time because we we were up to June last year when we were like all-star candidate. So I'm, I'm going to hold my horses a bit. But that being said, even as people do talk about how he had an off year last year, he's still a two-war player last year. In 2021, he was still a three-war player. And that itself still has value. So if he's improved that swing and miss, then maybe he can live up to that potential where he was a top 20 prospect after that brilliant 2017 season where he became the first 2017, uh, uh, 2016 draftee to make it to the MLB. Um, so I, I think he's definitely capable of a better version of a cons- consistent three to four war player. But I'm going to be a little bit patient on, on waiting for it. Yeah. yeah Just to, before I declare Zach it. Neto of 2017. So oh my speak. God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the angels yeah. God. <laughs> now let's just continue along these lines. Cannon has a question. Who do you consider the best defensive outfielder in the minors? So if we do move Hayes to right field and we do want that second quote unquote center fielder for left field, whether it's short term, long term, who is that for you? Wow. That's a, that's a great question. I thought about this for a while and I I probably like need to watch a bit more video, but I guess if I had to say uh, best center fielder or outfielder in that capacity, he's probably not ready yet, but I don't see any issues or at least reports talking about issues with Judd Fabian. And maybe this is a guy that like, again, we've heard about the great 60 grade arm. We've heard about, um, the 60 grade power and then his always his knock has been the swing and miss but he's improved the swing decisions now to a point where we feel um, he could still be a 2020 potential candidate with an average showish batting average and whatnot but I I thought about Haskin and I think there were maybe a bit concerns about maybe the arm potential there in a, in a left field if there's a deep drive to left field and he makes a catch will you have the arm to be able to back that up and close off a runner at second or third from stealing. Um, so I, I, I then went along with John Rhodes and I wasn't really sure much about the arm strength just yet or the mobility. I do think Heston Kerstad's a corner outfielder. Um, and and then as I keep going down, I think of who is really those true center fielders. I have to watch Dante Williams a bit more to fully, uh, to fully kind of gauge his, his range. Um, an arm, but I, I think from everything I've seen report-wise, I don't think there's any doubts of Judd Fabian being that center fielder type. So 
uh, I, I'd probably right now prematurely go with Judd. Um, but I'd love to hear yours. Yeah. Yeah. Fabian, Fabian was my pick as well. Um, yeah. obviously he's not going to be major league ready this year, but the defense was never in doubt. Same with his power. It was defense and power. Is he going to hit enough? <laughs> Is he going to walk enough? And, and he has obviously walked more, but, uh, yeah, Kowser, another option. You know, there are some questions whether sure. he can stick to center field, but I feel like there should be no question that he could play left field at Camden Yards. I feel like he's got a strong enough arm. Yeah. Gets great reads on the ball. I have noticed that watching him in person. Um, Haskin, haven't seen him in person much, but I do think he can play center, so he should have no problem playing left. And John Rhodes, yeah, the mobility might be a question because he's a, he's a big guy. He's a big but he is guy, an athlete, yeah. and yeah. He, I've seen his arm. His arm is plenty good. Mm, okay. um, but yeah, I'm not sure about the range just yet. So yeah, I think I'd go Fabian, then Kowser, then Haskin as my top three as well. Yeah. So. And, and I think even to that question, it, it does really help kind of explain a bit for maybe the McKenna haters out there as to why is he maybe on the team. And there could probably be a whole McKenna Stowers debate. But uh, yeah, Stowers really is kind of that fill in the crevice, any outfield spot. So yeah, still hoping he gets a nice run at some point this year or next year, or even with another team. I just feel like he's got a skill set that should be able to play at the major league level for some 100%, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Tulsi has a question on a different path. Curious to get your thoughts on Anthony Servideo. How has he looked so far, and what do you see for his future with so many middle infield prospects in the system? For me, he's still in low A Delmarva, and he was mm. <laughs> drafted in – 2020, 2020 the yeah. shortened draft so obviously injuries have been a concern but he's 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 got to get past Marva. i feel like before i can i'm glad he's healthy i'm glad he's playing he's walking he's a walk god no doubt about it but he's he's just got to put up numbers and he's got to stay on the field and until he can get to high a or double a at some point this year or next year then i, I don't think much of him other than he's got potential if he can stay healthy and perform to his capabilities he's got potential he can field he can run, he can walk, but can he hit? We have to find yeah. out. And can he stay healthy? No, hundred percent. I, you probably know where I'm, how I'm going to address this question from which angle, but uh, you know, Anthony Servideo actually led all of 2020 that shortened season in war for college. And it was a great steal, at least that third round to get that potential. His power had increased. He already had hit five, six home runs, which matched Kerstad before that 2020 season ended. So he was on a great pace, and I think there's that potential. But at the same time, right, you're in Delmarva now, and if you look at some of the rankings of all those different shortstops that are in that position, it makes it a bit hard. And I think there's like a sweet spot for which this could be managed. I think he can certainly grow within the organization. He can definitely be a nice org type of shortstop filler if he's able to play enough games and stay healthy. I'd love to see him rise from Delmarva to Aberdeen to potentially touching Bowie this year if he was able to make that ascent. On the flip side of this, he would be Rule 5 eligible in 2023 by the uh, November timeframe. And if it's a similar move that was made with Daryl Hernandez, I could also potentially see a deal being done where if we're not going to be able to protect him and if people still value that he can at least play an elite defensive shortstop, but even if he's injured, you might be able to stockpile him for about 90 days before activating his options. He may come as an additional piece in a trade, and 
the more similar level of a trade I actually thought about, Bob, was when we brought in AJ Graffinino on the Tommy Malone deal, where we we were it was advertised to us about a glove first shortstop AJ Graffinino that helped out in Aberdeen. And we still have Greg Cullen from that trade who's been uh, a, a nice filler also at Norfolk, you know? So good good on-base percentage and whatnot. So I, I need to see more from Cervideo to be able to go on, on any of the higher rankings in terms of prospects. I think he still has a bright future. He does have Baltimore ties because of his grandfather playing for the Orioles. But I'd also have to think about if we're worried about maybe losing him in the rule five, or we feel like there's enough value right there from the 2020 draft, I could also see him being packaged in a deal and have another team have that type of AJ Graffinino in their system that they can trust and um, be able to, to use. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great comp. AJ Graffinino. I can totally see that because he had a lot of injury issues as well. Walked a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, I like that. Um, let's see. Kevin Brown says, if you were stuck on a desert Island and could only have one person with you between Hyde, Elias, Sig, or Matt Blood, who are you picking? (laughs) We can make this one quick. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess if I had to think of all of them, um, you know what? I I think I'm going to go for with Hyde and I was thinking about Sig for a while, but it was down for me from Sig and Hyde. I guess from a Hyde standpoint, I love the, right, he has seen an entire rebuild. He has seen the worst of the worst when it comes to uh, performances on the field and trusting the process. So if I needed someone to maybe motivate us to be able to get out of this situation, um, I'd want Hyde there. I'd love to see the way he's able to, again, defend his players believe in them, bring out the best in them, and manage some of these decisions. I think Sig from an analytical point would be great, but uh, I'll go with Hyde. Yeah, Sig was my first thought as well, but ultimately I'm going to go with Matt Blood. Nice. Um, nice. First of all, probably going to die. Might as well talk about minor leagues. I'm a minors (laughs) guy. But he also has helped to institute this player development, and I know nothing about how to live or escape from a a deserted island so hey develop me get me up to speed and uh maybe we could do something all right next up is uh let's see we have david adams can you please do a preview of the series that are starting after you record and before the next mailbox recording so that would be a two-game series at washington followed by a three-game series against detroit looks like dean kramer is starting for the orioles tuesday kyle bradish wednesday I would imagine that means Tyler Wells Friday, Kyle Gibson Saturday, Grayson Rodriguez Sunday, as long as the rotation remains intact. Um, exactly. I'm thinking let's go four and one during this stretch. It's two of the worst teams, one, maybe the worst team in, in the National League and one of the worst teams in the American League. What do you think? Yeah, I think, um, you, you know, I project very conservatively because I'm scared of the Tigers. There I said it because. I really thought we should have won those series last year. And I, I, one way or another, I think I think the Tigers have a few good starters that are able to, you know, build innings. I think Spencer Turnbull is one. Um, he's been able to eat Matt Boyd and, and, and just a few others. Um, I think with the National Series, I think we better be careful with Josiah Gray and uh, 
Mackenzie Gore, who I, you know, I, I, I don't think there's too much prospect fatigue on him. I think he's actually a phenomenal starter as well. Uh, they got a pretty good return on that. So I'm going to go three and two, but uh, how do I break this down? I could see a split with the nationals and then I could see a two and one with, with the tigers. So overall three and two in that realm and that, that does fall under the whole 500 <laughs> that I want us to be at for April, but I feel like we could definitely see some good pitching performances uh, against us where we could maybe sometimes see the offense have some trouble with. So I'll, I'll go three and two, and we should not take any of these teams lightly. As long as we take care of business, there's no reason why we shouldn't go five and zero. Oh. but nonetheless, three and two. Yeah, I'll dig in a little bit deeper here. Um, Nationals are four and eleven, fifth place in the NL East. Yeah, I, I think we are facing um, is it Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore back to back Tuesday and Wednesday. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the, actually the fun one. I I just love how it's like the two Dodgers prospects going against each other, uh, Dean Kramer yeah. and Josiah Gray. So it's <laughs> yeah, like right. one you got Manny Machado and the other one you got Scherzer. So I uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, Josiah oh. Gray's got a 4.32 ERA after three yeah. starts. Mackenzie Gore, a 3.00 ERA. So that, that'll be fun. That'll put some tests to our bats. Uh, offensively, they do not have a good lineup. Their leading hitters yeah. are Kiebert Ruiz and Victor Robles with a 104 yeah. and 102 OPS plus, respectively. They have no one else. Or Lane Thomas has a 99. The rest yeah. are like in the 80s and below. You got Dominic Smith, Luis Garcia, CJ Abrams, another decent prospect, Heimer, Candelario, Alex Call, Joey Manessis. Uh, so, yeah, not going to yeah. be. Hopefully, our pitching can get right here. And it's going to be the same with the Tigers, who are five and nine and in fourth place in the AL Central. They have Jake Rogers, who has a 133 OPS plus, and Nick Matan with a 115 OPS plus. The rest is is hurting. Uh, Riley Green exactly. not doing yeah. particularly well. Spencer Torkelson not doing well. Jonathan Scope, Javi Baez has been struggling. Akil Badu, Matt Vierling, and Miguel Cabrera on his last legs. Yes. And then starting for them, you got Ed, Eduardo Rodriguez, Spencer Turnbull, Joey Wentz, Matthew Boyd, Michael Lorenzen. So yeah, I I actually feel more confident about the Tiger series at home than at the on the road against the Nationals, Nationals just because. Yeah. I feel like at least the Nationals could potentially outpitch us. Yeah. I feel like for me in the Tiger series, the most like scary game is the Erod game, just because I feel like Eduardo Rodriguez just always shoves against the Orioles. Um, but this is, uh, out, out of all these kind of games, I think this is this is going to be a quite a defining moment for Dean Kramer early on now with, with the start uh, against the Nationals. And I, I really do wish him well. You know how I'm a big believer in Kramer, and I think the stuff is up. It's just, I don't know. I think he's a bit four-seam heavy. I haven't seen him use that curveball as much. It's it's The cutter's getting barreled in the middle, so I, I'm i I'm pulling for him. You know? Yeah, me too. He needs a good starter too here. He's, I think he just needs confidence. I think he's an overthinker, so that can yeah. tend to hurt guys on the mound especially. Mm -hmm. So next question is from Kenneth, who says, what are your thoughts on the two free agent guys brought in this offseason? They aren't the big names we wanted, but have they met or exceeded your expectations so far? I guess that's Kyle Gibson, one year, $10 million, and Adam Frazier, one year, $8 million. For me personally, I think, I think they've pretty much done exactly what you would expect them to do. Uh, Frazier's come in, played a solid defensive second base. He doesn't strike out. He walks a little bit, makes contact. He's actually been hitting the ball harder than I expected him to. And then Kyle Gibson. He's a better version of Jordan Lyles, and I feel like that's pretty much exactly what we've seen so far. 
Exactly. Um, for me, I'm going to say slightly exceeded my ex- expectations because, uh, again, it's only it's only early, but every single game that Gibson has started, the Orioles have had a chance to win. And yesterday, right, he gives up the two-run home run, but Gibson kept us in the game the whole time. and Served up a burger to burger. Served up a burger, God. <laughs> and, and, and with Adam Frazier, I think at least right now, I think he's kind of showing that that one year with Seattle where all his numbers were down was a fluke because he's, he's been a career uh, 270, 280-ish hitter. He draws uh, walks. He's able to control his bat, uh, good contact hitter. Uh, he, he's kind of been that glue gun uh, and, and really a weapon in the lineup. So both of them are well-deserved contracts. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And obviously we would like to see them do more, and I think they will pretty soon uh, as far as the next offseason or two. Sterling has the last patron question. How real do you guys think the Rays then when he wrote it 13-0 and start is? Are they that good or is it just a good team taking advantage of a week's schedule? Yeah, it is It is important to capitalize on a week's schedule at the beginning and what they're doing is the right thing. Will, will some of the regression kick in? Probably. But I think the best part about them is that they have Brandon Lowe and Wander Franco healthy right now on their team. And they missed both of them so much last year. And they still finished three games above the Orioles. So that's really something to keep in mind how dangerous this Rays team is. They still made the playoffs with a hurt Wander and hurt Brandon Lowe. So, no, I, I think they're for real. The start that they're on could very well push them to win the division. And their rotation is probably the best right now. In my yeah, opinion, they haven't even had Tyler Glasnow come yeah. back from injury yet. And obviously Jeffrey Springs getting hurt hurts them, but they'll probably regress offensively a little bit, but their pitching's legit starting yeah. and relief. So you got to get out to a, a fast start against these guys and, and just try to hold them down. Yeah. I think they'll probably fight for a wild card rather than win the division. I think mm-hmm. the blue Jays or Yankees will probably wind up winning the division, but if we're competing against them for a wild card, that that could be a, a tough test. It'd be a fun battle. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to Twitter questions. Nice. And here's a fun one from at Cousin Smith. If you had to spend 24 hours in one fast food establishment, which would it be? Oh, easy for me. Taco Bell. <laughs> I, I, I love Taco Bell. Uh, it There's so many different options there. I think you could literally break up a breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then be able to sit comfortably, get some work done, watch some Orioles while you're at it. If they lose, go grab some cinnamon twists. I don't know. Have some fun with it. But uh, I-, I love tacos. So, yeah, Taco Bell. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I'd probably just go with the standard McDonald's just because they have such a big menu. They have options yeah. I could do, you know. Uh, Pancakes bacon, in the morning. Bacon, cheese, <laughs> yeah. bagel for breakfast, do the Big Mac for lunch, a chicken sandwich for dinner, a McFlurry for dessert. You know, they got it all. That's uh, true. But yeah. I'm not going to lie. I could probably survive more than 24 hours at any fast food restaurant. Uh, I do eat a lot of it. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Not, not good, the doctor says, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, next up is at David Precht. Are pitchers avoiding Gunnar Henderson or is he working these counts? Man just keeps getting walks. Hmm. Working these counts, I think uh, it's so easy. And I think with everyone hitting the panic button, you can't forget Adley Rutschman's first month. Like we we were all uh, trying to keep everyone calm and everyone is obviously naturally excited. Uh, 
prospects will struggle regardless. The Orioles gave Ryan Mountcastle's first two months in 2021. If you guys go back to this, he's a sub-200 hitter. And he finished that season with 33 bombs. This is all part of the adjustment process. And for a rookie to struggle this much and still have a 350 OBP, are you are you kidding me? Like this is this is kind of unheard of in a way. So I, I think for one Orioles fans, I'd like to just put one caution out there. Don't feel so much stress about Gunner winning the rookie of the year or whatnot. What he's getting right now is going to pay dividends later on. This exposure he's getting is, right, so rookie of the year sometimes can be subjective in terms of the voters and, and whatnot. So what he's getting right now with two weeks into the season and having this many walks, I'm not worried. Like, I think I think by June we'll be, we'll be pleased. Yeah, I agree. This, if anything... I mean, just looking at the metrics, this scream slump, he's still hitting the ball hard when he makes contact. He's just hitting it into the ground too much. He's 98th percentile walk rate. He's not chasing the ball, 79% uh, chase rate, 79th percentile chase rate, which is good. Um, And he's just, it's a timing issue to me. Like he's just, you can tell he's just behind or just ahead. Um, He's not swinging at many balls in the zone, only around 50%. And I don't know. I just think you're going to slump no matter what. But if you can slump and walk during your slump, that's better than swinging at everything and oh, exactly. having a miserable uh, month or so, a few yeah. weeks. So I'm pretty confident this kid is is a hard worker. He's not going to just give up like this. This guy, oh, not at all. He's, yeah. he's got swagger, hasn't seen it in a, in a few weeks. But once he gets that confidence back, I have no doubt once things click that he's going to take over when Adley slumps or – I don't know if Adley can slump, but when uh, when one of these guys like Austin Hayes isn't hitting as well, you're going to see yeah. Gunner take over a little bit. Yeah, it's good to see everyone. everyone's picking themselves up. Some slumps happen, and the rest of them are taking care of its natural course. Yeah, Absolutely. At Busty Oreos says, assuming the Orioles need to make a starting rotation move before Means can return, do you think Rom can sneak ahead of, of D.L. Hall and Cole Irvin for the call-up? Wow. That's a great question. I I find it hard to see Rom jumping ahead because I really think they want him to stay the full season at AAA, build those starts, and then compete for a rotation spot in 2024. Could I see a spot start because of how the schedule lines up? I think we were all pretty surprised to see Grayson Rodriguez get the start, even though it was the most logical thing to do. But he was in the next column, so... Could I see it happen where an injury happens and then Rom was the next up technically? Yeah, he's on the forty man, so you could you could make that move technically. So yeah, yeah. I had the same exact answer. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he could really leapfrog those guys as far as from a performance standpoint, as far as a stuff standpoint. But hey, if you need a spot starter and and he's available, yeah, he's on the forty man. He's a solid pitcher. He's putting up good numbers. Of course, you could throw him out there. So yeah, I could see it him making the majors before them, but not because of him leaping over them. Like, yeah. Uh, you, you just needed the... a guy that day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, here's a question at zero Ravens. Do you think, the, who do you think the Orioles will draft in the upcoming draft? That's easy to call, right? 17th pick. Oh yeah, dude. This, this far got it locked up already, dude. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say I've been, I've been monitoring on the side, just a few options and names and, uh, I, I would love a pitcher, but really right now the top four pitchers are right. Paul Skeens, DeLander, 
or Dollander, um, Hurston Waldrup, and Rhett Lauder. Um, and then there's a, there's a few names after that that can certainly draw on Watts, Watts Brown. Um, I do think we'll still go with the hitter because I think there's a great, great hitter class. And if, if I had to name just a few that I've been looking at, if he drops enough, uh, Colton Ledbetter seems like a nice name just from Mississippi State. Mason McRae loves him in terms of his exit velocities, his swing decisions. Um, another one that's just been fun to watch is uh, Brock Wilkin, uh, Wake Forest, because he just hits with immense power, plays a decent third base. I, again, exit velocity monster. I, I think he could really be someone we uh, pursue, uh, at least in the draft. But it, it would be a nice college polished hitter for 17. But I could also be surprised. I saw a few mocks of the Orioles taking Noble Meyer, who is one of the most elite uh, high school arms right now with upper 90s velocity. So yeah, that would that would be a fun pick. I think I think the Orioles are safe to do a risky pick here. Will they do it? I'm just not 100% sure. So yeah, if I had to uh, gun to my head, yeah, hitter, college hitter. Yeah, I would imagine left-handed college hitter like uh, maybe Matt Shaw from Maryland or yeah. Who's, let's see, I'm just looking at the Baseball America because I have not necessarily been keeping up with things, but mm-hmm. I saw there was uh, I saw something Walker Martin, uh, high school shortstop, has a home run in nine straight games, yep. so uh, yep. maybe that's an option. But yeah, it'll probably be a position player, most likely college, and we'll love him in like six months. So exactly, it'll be fun, but it's. Not having a top top pick, it's a it's a lot harder to predict these things. Yeah, it it is fun to watch who will drop though. I think that's going to be my excitement. Like, oh, he's available now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, two more questions. At King of Fedora says we have so many infield prospects. The Orioles are bound to trade some of them for a legit starting pitcher, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, of course, of course, I, you know, there, there is really something I, I, I haven't really figured out yet about the regime and maybe this is just to be determined later on, but I, I would say, I, I still remember Elias's interview last year where, yes, I envision a scenario where we're shipping out three or four of our prospects to be able to get an elite starting pitcher. I, I, I do remember, you know, Elias mentioning that and, uh, that is naturally part of it. We made we capitalized on Daryl Arnaz because he's going to be Rule Five eligible in 2023, and you brought in Cole Irvin that has four years of control. Yes, it hasn't panned out just yet, but you have an option. You can work him out, and he still has those uh, years of control. So that's certainly doable. I don't know when the trigger itself will be pulled on some of these players because right now they're showing a loyalty to Ramon Arias. Jorge Mateo that are actually contributing to our major league team. And they're also trying to balance that with the risk of putting any rookie in a scenario where they have to then be the sole providers in their specific position. So I think everyone this season is going to get such good triple a seasoning time. And if I don't see the trades going out this deadline, I think the next winter, this coming winter is when we start seeing more of the bigger names being shipped. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. I mean, yeah. 
I think I made this point coming into this offseason, like, yeah, that we're easily set up that we could trade some of these guys for a starting pitcher, but there's really no rush. I mean, they still have yeah. plenty of season to go at AAA, and they're not going to lose value by continuing to put up numbers there or even coming up to the majors for a spell. Even if they don't perform amazingly, they're, they're not going to lose their value. And we know Elias and company are not going to force a trade they're going to wait for the right deal to come along and they will eventually yeah. will, but it just hasn't happened yet. And there's really not a huge rush because between injuries and underperformance, you're always going to need more depth and more guys down there. So last question we have is at MD sports mashup other than Jackson holiday, who is an under the radar guy on Delmarva who will make his major league debut first. I could go first. I have yeah, please, uh, please, the yeah. roster pulled up here. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Creed Williams hit another home run, his fourth today. That is an option. Sammy Basayo has been lighting up the world at 18 years old for them as well. A catcher, first base, DH. He had a double today. I feel like an under-the-radar guy, though, could be Elio Prado. I've been really impressed with him. Yeah. Um, he's finally healthy. He's just looks really solid, solidly built. He's still only like 20 years old, despite or 21 years old, despite uh, the Orioles trading for him four years ago. Um, just feel like he's a well-rounded guy who can hit for a little power. He can run. He can field. So yeah, that would be my my choices. I think for me and Del Marva, I have two specifically just from the 2022 draft. Just those arms. I I like the Reese Sharp's fastball and his. Uh, I want to say it's a curveball or a slider, but it's also like a 55, 60 grade uh, coming from from the draft, and he's got a lot of swing and miss. I think control is his biggest problem right now, but as is for anyone you know starting off. I think I think there's enough swing and miss there from Reese Sharp that over the next two three years in the system he could just turn into a bullpen arm, and just for fun, I just want to see what comes out of Jared Beck, like if 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 Right, right. We know he's seven foot, and that shouldn't only be the reason why he 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 obviously moves up. But I, I think there's enough control deception there when the curveball comes from just that height and that angle. That it's it's interesting enough that he he, he could weaponize it a bit to be able to get hitters out. So I I, I go with Resharp first, but yeah, I think Jared Beck. You know, let, let's see how he pans out in the next few years, and maybe he's a fun seven foot option. Uh, Certainly, it would be a sight to behold. You couldn't miss him out in the bullpen. Oh, that's yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be fun. All right. So, let's get now to the power rankings. And Yay. I guess how we could do this is I'll start at the top, and you can try to guess who who's going to be my, my next person, and then we'll, we'll each give our quick thoughts on each guy. So, sure. who do you think is my number one in the power rankings? Um. D- Dadley? D- oh, Dadley yeah. Rutschman? Oh, yeah. <laughs> father. The um, father. <laughs> Adley Rutschman, number one, of course. He's doing it all. He's played in every single game. His bat is too valuable to leave out. He's he's walking. He's hitting for power. He's not mm. striking out. He's playing good defense. Of course. Of course, it's Adley. Yeah. Probably number two. I don't know. Ryan Mountcastle? No. Oh. I have Austin Hayes, number two. I like that. Okay. You know, defensively, maybe that's a stretch, but I just feel like the bat is is playing up in a big way right now. And he's been, you know, if you take out that, like, four-game stretch where he didn't have a hit, I mean, he's he's probably, like, Luis Arise, almost batting 500. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, agreed. I think that first game, I think that was just the first game he went 0, 0 for 5. And then after that, 
was it the second game he went five for five? Yes. <laughs> so it kind of like nullified everything. Yeah. Right. yeah. Number uh, three. You got any ideas? Ryan? Nope. Oh, wow. Okay. Felix Bautista. Oh, can I? He's yeah, been I'm, so unfair just, to me. Like, I mean, he had a rough first outing or two, but he looks like peak Felix right now with the yeah. 100 to 102 fastball up in the zone and a ridiculous splitter that just falls off the table. Yeah. So I, he, he's definitely, I, I, I loved how someone I forget on, on our group chat brought up the amount of respect the Chicago White Sox broadcasters were giving to Felix. Like, that's just not fair. Like you've, you've got some of the most elite pitches right there. It's, it's 15 strikeouts in about just under seven innings right now. And, and I, I think if we had to put it, uh, Adley and Felix right now look like our two clear all-star reps. Yeah. 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 And if he's going to be pounding the zone like this, I mean, it's, it's over for everybody. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Number four, it's not Ryan again. <laughs> Wait, I was just about, okay. Yeah. Jorge Mateo. Uh, yeah, how could I forget? I mean, I mean he's hitting a... the ball extremely hard. I think he's got 112.4 was uh, one of the exit velocities he had yesterday. Obviously, he's playing great defense. He's even walking a little bit. Mm. So it's been fun to watch. If he can sustain us at all, then Mateo oh. is the man. Agreed. I, I'm i going to be completely honest. I was, I was really low on Jorge Mateo going into the season. And that was because a lot of his war was attributed just from the defensive standpoint. And even sometimes defensive war is suspect, but the steals and this offensive production, I think we were all asking for if you could just be a little bit better on offense. Now you're actually looking at a five, six war ceiling, which is just unreal to say about Mateo from a waiver claim. So hats off to him. He's forced a great problem. I no longer look at him as a, as a trade type of guy because of how much value he has to us. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, he, he had a hot stretch in what August of last year. So yeah. let's see if he can keep this up, but yes. Man, yes. early returns are good. Early returns are good. You're right. Ryan yeah. Mount council is number five. Hey, we made it. He, he's Ben's been slumping happy. a little bit. He's still hitting the ball hard, but the, the batting average has come down a little bit the last yeah. few games. So he dropped a few spots, but yeah, he's he's been great. And those scoops that he missed, that kind of cost us the game yesterday. Yeah. So. Unfortunate, yeah. I, I think still some things to be ironed out, but he, he's on pace for a 30-home run, 100-RBI season. So you got to love that from a young 26-year-old. Yeah. Next up is number six. The top five was fairly easy, I would say, in some kind of order. Who do you, who do you got for number six? It could All be right. a surprise. All right. Surprise. <laughs> Is it Danny Coulomb? It is. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, he's been ridiculous. It's Cienel Perez and Richard Blyer had a baby, and it's Danny Coulomb. It's Danny Coulomb. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I, I'm. This is a, so one of the most sneakiest picks ever, where everyone was just like, what? We won't, we won't put any of our pitchers. And, and this happened right after the Grayson decision, which only pissed off people even more. So. Yeah, Danny Coulomb, I I love the way he delivers. It's a it's a I watched one of his first starts. It was a little bit Kershaw-esque in a way, in terms of how he has some deception going. Nice vertical break on his curveball, the sweeper that's moving in. It's any hitter is just gonna feel uncomfortable against him. And he's he's shown that. So great yeah. pickup. Great and it pickup. seems like it's for real because the stuff plus numbers, his fastball is a little bit above average, oh, like yeah. 104, then his slider and his sinker are both in the 120s. So all red on baseball savant, it's all good. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Number seven is another hitter. Actually, number seven and eight kind of go together. So it's Adam Fraser, seven, and uh, Kyle Gibson, number eight. Oh, I love that. I mean, yeah, the two two free agents that we brought in together, uh, these really have stood out. And Gibson Gibson attributes to, to three of those wins, obviously, at least. And, and Fraser's just been so steady in those clutch situations. So, um, no, the early returns for these two, good signings. Yeah. Number nine, I have another starting pitcher, Tyler Wells, who's been kind of like Gibson and able to get some depth. Maybe he runs out of gas a little bit, but he's been super solid. He saved that game when Bradish went down uh, early on and, yeah. and volunteered to come in and pitch five shutout innings. So Tyler Wells yeah. is in my top ten at number nine. Yeah, he uh, – again, for me, uh, as a Rule 5 lover, it is immensely hard to get a starting pitcher from the Rule 5 draft. Like in general, in, in general, even get a starter. And we've got Anthony Santander and Tyler Wells. So uh, I apologize for like, at least at the beginning of shouldn't Rodriguez replace Wells? Now we're like, dude, Wells is our number two guy right now. Right. We, we need him in the rotation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Number 10, I got Ramon Urias. Hopefully he's doing okay. Still in concussion protocol. Oh yeah, that was scary. Excited I would be for Joey Ortiz to get that opportunity. I don't want it to be coming at the expense of someone getting hit in the head like that. But he's been super solid. Pretty much the player we expected coming into this Yeah, season. I mean, I think we've been so impressed with the third base defense. I'll never forget that game-saving play against the Yankees on that opening yeah. day where just – just wonderful. I mean, his story has been great. He earned that gold glove. And um, even though he's not playing every single day, just an immense value. It just deepens the rest of the team. Yeah. Number 11. This is going to make some people angry, especially Matt Winter, but it's Brian Baker for me. I feel like yeah. his stuff has been incredible. He's he's had a few flare-ups here and there, but man, he gets fired up on the mound. I get fired up watching him and He's still got that potential where, you know, fired he's going to frustrate guy. you sometimes. But, <laughs> yeah, he's fired up guy embodied into a player. Yes. Picture <laughs> yeah, uh, per- perfect. Yeah, nothing much to add. Just yeah. Brian Baker is uh, – I'm happy he got the jitters out. Yeah. yeah. Number 12 for me is Grayson Rodriguez. He's got an up arrow with the bullet. Could easily be top 10, top 5 on here in a few weeks if things continue to go well for him. Agreed. I mean, one really good start. Or one one solid start, a bit of a shakier start, but in both games he kept us in the game, and that's all you really ask for from starting pitching. So. He's the one pitcher that's going to get swings and misses. He's gonna. He was in o two one two counts left and right against the A's. He just couldn't quite yeah. get that command enough to uh, finish him off. But yeah, fourteen and fifteen whiffs. Yeah, in your first two starts, that that doesn't happen always. No. That's that's really yeah. yeah. Yeah, so number 13, I have Mike Bauman, who's looked really impressive. We talked about him a little bit. He's got that upper 90s fastball with that new knuckle curve thing he's got going on, plus a changeup that he can whip out every once in a while. Yeah. And a slider. Uh, Yeah, very happy for Bauman again. Just uh, there is a part of me that does still wish of him as a starter, but at the same time, I'm happy he's in the majors. He's really uh, uh, using that you know, deception, up, uh, upper 90s fastball, four-seam. I think Eno Saris said something really positive about his, his uh, four-seam fastball, and he, he's tunneling those really, really well right now. So 
I'm happy for him. You know. Number 14, Cedric Mullins. He's slumping, so he's down, but he's he's still got got some value where he's not going to be at the bottom of the list. Exactly. Number Again, fif- yeah. Number 15. It, it, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. It's a really talented team. So if Mullins is your 14th, that's, yeah. Number 15 is a newcomer, Yinier Cano. I mean, I hate wow. to put him this high this fast, but it looked incredible. The first game, it looked like it was like a little magic. Like he didn't know where it was going and it just happened to work out. But then that second outing was like just spotting it in the strikes there. And the velocity was a little bit down back to back days, but he was controlling it a lot better. I like that. Yeah, you know, nothing else said. I mean, Cano is just really, really filthy first two. I think, at least right now, from what he's shown, how can you option him after that performance? Yeah, 100% so, ground yeah. ball rate, 40% strikeout rate, so not too shabby. 16 and 17 are two guys that have been slumping the worst. Hopefully, break out of it soon. Santander at number 17 hit his first home run yesterday and had a two-hit game. And Gunnar Henderson at 16, we've talked about a lot. Yeah. Number 18, I'll go with Ryan O'Hearn. He's, he's performed. He's a, he's a bench player. He's a perfect bench player. Uh, right now while he's 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 hitting the ball well yeah I'm already kind of amazed how much they've used him thus far but I I I guess you know there was something that the Orioles feel like they could fix and I guess between him and Franchi Cordero that they both helped fix we at least get to keep maybe one of them and he's already got four RBIs for us so uh yeah I'm I'm if we can get something out of him that's that's phenomenal yeah Number 19, we knew regression was coming, but maybe not this hard. Cianel Perez, who went from being pretty lucky while still being good last year to being very unlucky. And, I mean, the stuff plus numbers still look good. The the FIP is good. He hasn't really walked many or given up home runs, but he's just given up a lot of hits. Exactly. It's it's really, I, I, I do believe in a little bit of a sense of the, the tipping of pitches. I thought he looked a little bit better just yesterday on, on some of the, like the, the sweeper sliders, the sliders he was using. So... Uh, still, still good velo. I think uh, the best is yet to come, but yeah, it, it's been a bit of a slump for him. Yeah. And then number twenty, Taron Vavra. He's getting in more action. He's he's performing pretty well after uh, a rough first couple of games. If you take that out, he's looked like Taron Vavra. And then twenty-one, James McCann. He's hit the ball hard, but uh, not much to show for it yet. Yeah, I, I think both of those are again st- steady bats. They don't play every single day, but Vavra provides. You a nice off the bench option, someone who can work counts, especially in that first game against the White Sox. And McCann, I'm, I'm hoping to get going, but I also don't have the world of expectation because he is a backup catcher. So yeah, number twenty two, I have Keegan Aiken, who's currently on the paternity list. He's he's looked good at times, he's looked bad at times. I just never know what to what to make of Keegan Aiken. Yeah, uh, again, I think he provides the multi relief option. Uh, Watkins fills in really, really well. Um, I'd be curious to see if they would use. I think Aiken does have one more option remaining, but I'll I'll double check if 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 sure they feel it. yeah if they feel like Watkins provides something better than Aiken, then maybe that could be a decision they make. But uh, yeah, again, good depth. Yeah. yeah then I got Dean Kramer, twenty three. Your boy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> twenty four. Austin Voth. I. He's given up like a home run in every outing. It hasn't looked good, but again, the stuff numbers are are pretty good. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's been really unlucky with the home run to fly ball rate that's unsustainably high. Um, I don't expect him to be as good as he was for the Orioles last year, but I'm not quite sure that the underlying numbers 
warrant him being DFA'd immediately, like a lot of people want. Exactly, exactly. I think I think for both again, quote unquote, he's a spin monster. Curve spin, fastball spin. We've seen him do starter work last year. He would almost certainly get claimed if we DFA'd him right now, just given the performance he had last year. So um, I think his leash will probably be through April and parts of May. If there is an improvement in May, then we're forced to make a decision in June. And as for Dean Kramer, I would hate to use that option by any means, but this national series is really going to be a litmus test to then asking yourselves, are we better running Watkins into the rotation or even DL Hall? So, or Drew Rahm, as we've heard. Or, or Drew Rahm, yes. 25, I have Ryan McKenna. I'm still pretty salty about the drop fly ball. Um, and he has, I mean, he is who he is, but yeah. he's the end of the roster type guy. And then Logan Gillespie, 26, the end yeah. of the roster type pitcher. And then I just have notes on Spencer Watkins, 27, Cole Irvin, 28, because they're kind of on, kind of off. No, exactly. I think for those two, again, McKenna fulfills his role as a fourth outfielder, despite what happened in uh, game two. And at the end of the day, I, I, I've i kind of learned to not fault, again, McKenna for it, because it can happen to any one of us. Um, and, uh, right, Bautista did himself give up a home run to Adam Duvall. So it's, it's kind of also like, it's not completely just on you. Um, and with Gillespie, even if he does get optioned, He's not anywhere in a DFA territory for me. He's like, okay, look, you have some things to still work out. You still have options. That's the beauty of options. Maybe we bring up a Vespi one of the days. Yeah. And and uh, there, there's still enough stuff there. And I'm, I'm, I'm once again, I'm waiting for that plus changeup to show up that we I, I'd heard so much about. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the stuff looks better than it did last year with Logan. And especially early on, I was really hyped for – that curveball he was showing, fastballs, mm-hmm. velocities up a tick or two. So yeah, I still have faith that he can he can find something. They they put him on the forty man a couple of years ago for a reason. Uh, they believe in this stuff, and it's just about putting it together. And it's hard to break through at the major league level. It is, it is. But it's great to have all these players on options. I think sometimes even if a player gets option, it's not supposed to be looked at as something bad. It's like we need a fresh set of arms. Let's get someone else a look. It's not removing you from the roster by any means. You know, you're still part of the team. You're valuable. But imagine if we had a scenario where we didn't have optionable players and you were stuck with all these free agent reliever options. Right. Then you'd just be like, I have to DFA someone now to make yep. room. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, we could get a Vespi or a Crable up here. So he's been Immediately. pitching on AAA. So, yeah, yeah, Vivek, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for oh. joining me on this uh, fourth edition of the MLB Mailbag. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on the Verge team. This is uh, this has been very cleansing to talk about the season. So hopefully uh, next time we get to talk more about some wins. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so we'll be back Tuesday night this coming up week to uh, talk about some more Orioles baseball in the minor leagues. I think we're going to focus on pitching, talk a little bit about Grayson's performance so far, Dale Hall, and all the other arms, Trace Bright, Kate Povich, et cetera, et cetera. So covered is full. We'll talk all about it. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. That'll do it for this week's episode of On The Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season, and much, much more.
The U.S. Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov career usbp. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.